0: Um, how's your, how's your car warranty? (laughs) Can I be honest with you? I think, uh, anybody get those robocalls, car warranty? You get those calls? Those are kind of irritating, aren't they? Matter of fact, it seems like when nobody else can find you, they can find you. Uh, Just making sure your car warranty's not run out and if it has or whatever. Can I be real honest, though, uh, and this is just me, okay, I, um, customer service for technology. Anybody struggle with that? Uh, I'm at the age and stage of life where I'm not, you know, if you have trouble with technology, you give it to your four-year-old. <laughs> no joke. I was sitting, uh, just this past Thursday, we had the grandkids over, a little four-year-old sat beside me on the, on the uh, sectional, and. He had a game going on, and he said, watch this, watch this, Papa D. Watch this, watch this, you know, and I'm thinking, I could not get that thing. You know, I could, no way I could do that. And he, then he showed it to me. I said, what well, stop. He said, Papa D, here's how you restart it. He showed me. Four years old, electronics. Now, I can, we can talk about the negative of that, certainly, but, but I'm just saying, you know, when there was a time when my kids moved out, I didn't, rem, I didn't know how to program the VCR, but uh, if you ever had a problem with your internet and it freezing up and you had to call technical support and they start talking to you, through you. Of course, I know I'm in trouble when I say, Mr. Rods. Mr. Rods. That said, Mr. Rhodes. They say, Mr. Raj, how are you doing today, Mr. Raj. I know it's somewhere else, it's not in America, okay? And I'm in trouble, okay, because I struggle understand already, and they're talking in some accent so thick, and I've, I mean, seriously, sometimes, and I'm not criticized. they got, they got to do their job too, and I understand that. But you understand the frustration with getting something fixed technologically. And I will say this, almost every time, their solution is to do what? Reset. Reset. Anybody hit the reset button? I mean, really. I mean, you think about it. Uh, My problem is, you know, where is the crazy thing on the unit? Okay? Really. Reset. Find the reset. Push the reset button. Oh, well, then now it's, you know, unplug it for X amount of seconds. Well, I'm a 1,001. I'm I'm a little guy. You know, 1,001, 1,002. And I lose count. I have to start over 1,001, 1,002. Reset. And we talk about reset. You know, how many of you wouldn't mind taking a little reset on some of your life? Have you ever wanted to hit the reset button? I mean, things are kind of haywire. Things are not working like you thought they should. And all of a sudden you're saying, man, I wish I could hit the reset button. Well, did you know that God with the children of Israel had a time of reset planned in his law? Turn to Leviticus. Yes, Leviticus. Now, we're going to end up in the New Testament, for those of you who who think, you know, I'm going crazy. Leviticus chapter 25. Leviticus chapter 25. I want to read to you a passage, then we're going to have prayer, and we're going to talk about Jubilee, God's reset. Let's look at chapter 25, verse 8. I may need to move that down or up or down on which. And thou shalt number seven Sabbaths of years unto thee. Seven times seven years. How many? I hope we don't have a bunch of Jethro's in here. Ought plus ought equals aught. How many who can tell me how many seven times seven is? Only two people. <laughs> well, we're in trouble. Or oh, maybe you're not, because i may get my math on. Seven times seven, 49 years. 49 years. And the space of seven Sabbath of years shall be unto thee 49 years. Then shalt thou cause the trumpet of the jubilee to sound on the 10th day of the 7th month. In the day of atonement shall thou make the trumpet sound throughout all your land. The 10th day of the 7th month is the month of September for us. Verse 10, I want you to focus on this because we're going to take a lot out of this verse. And ye shall hallow the 50th year and proclaim liberty, liberty, throughout all the land and to all the inhabitants thereof. It shall be a jubilee unto you, and she will return every man unto his possession, and ye shall return every man unto his family. Verse eleven, and a jubilee shall that fiftieth year be unto you. You shall sow, neither reap that which groweth of itself in it, shall nor gather the grapes in it that thine that thy vine undrest. For it is a jubilee; it shall be holy unto you. Ye shall eat the increase thereof out of the field in the year of this jubilee. Shall ye turn every man to his possession? And if thou sell aught unto thy neighbor, or oughtest, uh, out uh, bias aught of thy neighbor's land, ye shall not oppress one another. Boy, that's good. When you sell land, you're not going to gouge one another and charge, boy, real estate. Have you looked at the price of real? Really? I mean, that's what he's saying. You're not going to gouge one another. According to the number of years after Jubilee, shall thou buy thy neighbor? And according to the number of years of fruits, he shall sell it. Well, I'll explain all that in a moment. According to the multitude of years, thou shalt increase the price thereof. According to the fewness of years, thou shalt diminish the price of For according to the number of years of the fruits, doth he sell unto thee, ye shall not therefore oppress one another But thou shalt fear thy God, for I am the Lord your God. Wherefore, ye shall do my statutes, keep my judgments, and do them. She shall dwell in the land in safety. And the land shall bear ye fruit, and ye shall eat your fill, and dwell therein safely. And if ye shall say, what shall we eat on the seventh year? Behold, we shall not sow or gather In our increase. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this moment. I pray right now that you would help us to understand and to celebrate what we're getting ready to go into, we call Jubilee. God, may you use this time as a spiritual time of reset for us, God. May you help us to see that we need to submit to you afresh and anew so that we can have freedom and liberty that you promise as we seek your face. In your name, I pray. Amen. I want you to look in verse 1 of chapter 25. You can check it out. Moses is receiving these instructions for the, Israel, for the Israelites from the tabernacle. By now, he has already received the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. You remember, he went up to Mount Sinai for 40 days. When he went out there, he came down with Ten Commandments. Now, those Ten Commandments nowadays draw praise and ruse from all kinds of people. People like them, people don't like them. They want to take them down out of courthouses. They want to take them out of, out of uh, uh, government houses. They want to take them down out of school. They want to deny them. They want to say they're not true. But let me tell you something just like the law of gravity, those Ten Commandments are laws of God and they will stand forever. Well, you remember, Moses got a little aggravated and he broke that tablet. He went ahead and had to go back up a second time. And he got more. Now, let me tell you something. Then they built the tabernacle, and here we find they're still in that Mount Sinai region. They're still camping. As a matter of fact, some people, some uh, commentaries believe, or some smarter people than me believe that they might have been there for as long as two years. And then when you read all the Levitical laws that are given to them, whoo, there's a bunch of them. And as a matter of fact, they, they stay from Exodus 19 to Numbers 10. They're saying and learning the law of God The whole time. Now you understand that's a lot of rules. That's a lot of laws. And he says, when you, but he says in verse one and two, he says, when you come in the land which I give you, God is saying that when you come into the promised land, now who did he give that promised land promise to? Go all the way back in Genesis, and Abram left the Ur of Chaldees on a promise of a land, a people, and a Savior. Let me tell you something. God said, Abraham, I'm going to give you a land. Then he said, Abraham, he said, then he said, Isaac, I'm going to give you a land. Then he said, Jacob, I'm going to give you a land. And one day God gave him a land. And he said, when you go in this land, don't do it now while you're wandering this wilderness, you crazy Jews that didn't follow my promise to go in there. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not being anti-Semitic with that. I'm simply saying they, were, they would not trust God to go in the promised land and they're in the wilderness now and they're receiving these, these rules. And what he's saying is, I, when you come into your land, here's what I want you to do do? First of all, there's the law of the Sabbath year. Now, the Sabbath year was simply this. Every seven years, they would let the land rest. Now, who would know that allowing land to lay fallow for one year was good agriculturally? Who would know that except God? And if you're a farmer, I'm not, I don't claim to be a farmer, but I know this. In our garden that I helped my granddad grow, we rotated the crops even in that garden. We didn't have the corn in the same place every year. We didn't have the potatoes in the same place every year. We rotated every, even within that small plot. And I'm telling you that God says, okay, every seven years I want you to pause and not plant. Now, I wonder what would happen to you if you went to your boss and say, this is the seventh year. <laughs> and I'm supposed to pause. Mm-hmm. He'd say, "Ah, well, I think that's been good knowing you, right? Okay. Well, the Jews were told to do that once they got there. As a matter of fact, this, this day of atonement, this 10th day of the seventh month of the Jewish calendar is called Yom Kippur. And it's a day of atonement. It begins this, the next 50th. Uh, I mean, this year, it starts on the Sunday evening, the 24th, and ends Monday, the 25th of 2023. The next Jubilee year will be in 28, 29. I'm simply telling you the calendar for the Jewish people. This was an ongoing command of God. And from the, then, the, the uh, Jubilee was even more significant because you understand they have seven years seven times for 49 years. And on that seventh year, they couldn't plant, they couldn't plow, they had to leave the ground follow. And then on the 50th year, they couldn't even harvest the extra that came from that land. They were to live off of what was laid and stored those that sixth year. And so what they did was they would then celebrate this and launch it on the tenth day of the seventh month by sounding the jubilee, which means could be it said the ram's horn and freedom. It means the shofar shofar was blown on the tenth day. And it means uh, that the, the, uh, the Hebrew word is novell means a year of jubilee and there was a joyous year with promised blessing. Look in verse 21, we read down, uh, look in verse um, Leviticus 25, verse 21, it says, then I will command my blessing upon you in the sixth year and you shall bring forth fruit for three years. He's saying, God, God said, I'm going to bless your harvest so much that on the sixth year of this, it will provide enough for three years. Now, that's a promise of God. How many of you would love to harvest three times what you normally harvest just because you're trusting God? And God said, I'm going to do that. He said, here's what I want you to do. In verse 10, I noticed that I, I emphasize that verse two As we went through it. He said, I want you to proclaim liberty. I love the word liberty. I love that it means Freedom. It means freedom from something, doesn't it? If you're liberated, that means that you have at some point not been liberated. At some point, you were in some kind of bondage, some kind of of obligation to someone, and there was now liberty and you're freed from something. But not only are you freed from something, but you're freed to something. In other words, not only are you held back from doing something, but you're freed up to do something that you really want and feel led to do. Now, I want you to draw a little parallel here. You remember there's a day when you got saved. And just go ahead and start thinking spiritually here. Would you with me? One day you were held back by your sins. You were in bondage. You could not live free. You, You thought you were free. I mean, you thought you could do what you wanted to do. You thought you could make the decision you wanted to make, but you were bound by Satan and you were in bondage and you needed liberation. But then that day, that glorious day, when you asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and to forgive you of your sin and the Holy Spirit to move into your life and him to make you a new creation, that glorious day, you were set free. And when you were set free, you were set free from the bondage of sin and free unto the righteousness of Jesus Christ to live in him for the rest of your life, led by the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something. That is a liberty of all liberty. That is absolutely the best thing that anyone can offer. Well, there are four practices around this liberty that they experience that I think we need to understand. First of all, what was happening in verse 10? there There was the repeal of debts. Now, let me, does that sound attractive to you this morning? How many of you say, Brother David, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. Anybody owe anything? How many of you you owe, you you have a debt, you have a bill that you have to pay on a regular basis? Anybody have one of those? Did you know, how would you like that completely wiped clean? How would you like that paid in full? for well, you see those 7 years 7 times 7 49 years oh they they didn't work and they celebrated and all and they were also freed they were also debts were forgiven, but in Jubilee they released the, f- the slaves to return I mean they, re- they, re- they uh, re- repealed the debts to return every man into his possession. What he owed is what was focused on. In other words I want you to know today that Jesus is declaring our church and this world in Jubilee. And we are in a time of Jubilee right now. You say well David it's not 50 years, but let me tell you something. Jesus wants to pay your Debt, and if you're saved today, He completely repealed your debt, totally free. Start it over. Wipe the slate clean. No longer are will you remember. As a matter of fact, the Bible says your sins are removed as far as the east is from the west. Let me tell you something. They they repealed their debts. It's, here's the way it worked for them. If they were, if someone was sold into slavery to pay a debt, the debt would be forgiven as paid. You understand what happened? There was a, they had a system to avoid poverty. The, the system is found there in Exodus 22. We won't take time to look at that. But first of all, if someone was having financial problems, they were offered a loan without interest. Now, that's a pretty good deal, too. You know, uh, sometimes you might take the advantage of a 12-month savings cash arrangement. Where you don't you're not charged interest until the very end. Now let me say this. You better pay it. Because that interest does keep accruing. But for someone struggling financially, they first the first step to help them with their debt was to give them a loan without interest. The second step was then slavery. They would sell themselves into slavery for six years. To pay their debt. Now I don't approve of slavery, but in Hebrews' time they said if you have a debt that you can't pay, you must pay by becoming a slave to this person. Now you must work off your debt, but you understand that you, if you've already accrued a debt that you couldn't pay, then you were given a loan without interest that you couldn't pay. The hole could get pretty deep. But for six years, this this person was was sold into slavery. The seventh year or Jubilee that year, they were set free for nothing. Their debt was paid. That means for for everything that they had uh, accrued, whether it was the original debt or the loan, they were set free and completely clear of of their debt. Now, let me ask you something. You may, you say, well, David, I had a sin debt. How many of you look back on your life and say, boy, I was living on borrowed time. I was living with borrowed credit. I was living on borrowed goodness and the grace of God. But you know, when Jesus came and saved me, he paid that debt. I owed a debt I couldn't pay. He paid a debt he didn't owe. Now listen, we got to understand that there is a debt repayment. Now Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Turn there with me real quickly, please. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. It tells us a little bit about Uh, this repayment and what he gives us in exchange. Look at verse six, verse 23 says, for the wages of sin is death as as a slave to sin. As a person in and we'll look at verses 20 through 22 in just a moment, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I told you earlier that, you paid your, that liberty is being released from something, released to something. Let me tell you what happened in my life, my sorry life. I was lost in sin. I didn't know Jesus as my Savior. He came in, forgave me of all my sin, and in exchange, He gave me eternal life, Amen. something I didn't deserve. Let me tell you something. Jesus is in the business of repealing debt. Number two, he's in the business of releasing slaves. Look in verse 10. Ye shall return every man unto his family. The first one was what we owed. The second was how we lived, and we lived in bondage. In other words, if a Hebrew could not... uh, Pay debts. He went into slavery to pay his debt in his own for six years. He was set free, and he was always willing uh, there to serve. But God always had a plan that one day there would be a a time when they would completely set free from their sin. Did you know it? God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Did you know if you leave this church building today, it's not because God hasn't done His job. It's not because the Holy Spirit hadn't dealt with your heart. It's not because the Word of God is not being preached, it's because you decided to stay in bondage and not accept the payment, and you decided not to be returned to your family. You decided not to come to the family of God. You reti- decided to stay in slavery. I want you to see that there's a release of slaves. Can you imagine those six years when that dad is in slavery? Can you imagine not being with your family for those times? Can you imagine living with your, away from your family, or in the case of some, where the whole family is in slavery because of your debt. Listen to me. Don't you think, mom and dad, that whenever you sin, when you're in a bondage of sin, don't you think when you're a drunk, don't you think when you're an addict, don't think for one moment whenever you, you're, a, you're a thief that you don't impact those around you. Don't think for one moment that the whole family won't be finding themselves in bondage. Don't think for one minute that does not have its impact. Listen, God says, I want to release you. I want to repeal your sin, but I want to release you as a slave. And let me tell you something, when you oh, the freedom Oh, the liberty that God gives us at that moment. I mean, I've never sensed the lifting of, de- of a guilt. I've never sensed the the, the release from what, what was on me when I asked Jesus into my heart. I want you to look, go back to Romans chapter 6. Would you turn there with me again? I know that I'm going back to the same passage, but you have to turn there with me. I want you to look in verses 20 through 22, because I want you to get a picture of what we're looking at. Romans chapter 6, verse 20 and 22. Verse 20 says, for when we were the servants of sin, when we were slaves of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is what? Death. But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit into holiness and in the, and the end everlasting life for the wages of sin is death. It goes into that. Let me make sure you understand that we were at one time servants to sin, bound and kept away from those who loved us most. We, but Jesus comes in and he gives our debt and he releases us as slave. Let me tell you, both of those are important. And one doesn't happen without the other. If the debt's not paid, there is no release of slavery. I'm so sorry. There's so many people that believe that there is another way to heaven. Did you know you're not? There's not. There's only one, and that's by way of the cross. That song, I have come by the way of the cross. Listen to me. It's only through the paid, the payment of Jesus Christ that we are released from, from slavery. And he releases us as slaves. First of all, he repeals our debt. Secondly, release our slaves. Thirdly, he returns our land. Many of us who are Christians, I believe, those who have been assigned property, you remember when they went into the promised land, every tribe, all, tri- all 12 tribes were assigned an inheritance. Now that inheritance didn't begin with them, but it was given to them. There were 12 tribes of Israel and those 12 tribes all got a portion of of the promised land. And that promised land was promised to Abraham. And what happened was as it trickled, as it was, now this is before, you understand, God's seeing this happen ahead of time. Before it was going to be paid for, I mean, before it was, it was a, a person had debt, sometimes they would sell the land. Now, here's the way they sold the land. They would sell the land based on the 50-year of Jubilee. There were seven years of harvest. They would say that there are 49, I mean, seven, seven times seven, 49 years of harvest. But remember now, Six of those years, or seven of those years, were the Sabbath, so that means that there was only, and one Jubilee, there was, in 50 years, there were only 42 years of harvest. The value of the land was determined by the number of harvests from one Jubilee to the other. If they bought the land in between the Jubilee years, then it was prorated based on how many harvests and how much money they planned to make off of that property. And here's why, because at every 50 years, Every 50 years, no matter if they were in de- if they were prison or whatever, if that land had been, uh, been sold to someone else, every 50 years it was returned back to the original owner. Now, how would you like it if your house you could only own for 50 years? How would you like it if you knew that if you bought it within that 50-year period, 25 years, maybe you're only 20 years from the Jubilee, and you prorate the cost, but you're going to have to give it back to the owner after 50 years? Here's what happens to that. You're not an owner. You're not the owner. God was teaching them a lesson. We're just a pilgrim passing through. You don't own anything. Oh, your name might be on some deed that some man made, but let me tell you something. You don't own anything. And God said to the children of Israel, you don't own anything. As a matter of fact, I want you to know God was teaching them that this was definitely not their land. He wanted them to know that when you purchase this, I want you to see, uh, look at verse 23 of this chapter. Verse 25, chapter 25, verse 23 says, for the land shall not be sold forever for the land is what? Mine, for ye are strangers and sojourners, With me. Now, let me tell you something, folks. We need to learn that, church. We need to learn that we don't own a thing. We don't own our land. We don't own our house. It's all God's. Did you know we're just stewards of what God's given us? Oh, that big salary you're making, let me tell you something, that's God's. But what we do is we get it all obligated with debt. We get it obligated with our plans. We act as if we own it. Let me tell you something. You don't own that. You say, well, I earned it. No, you didn't. Who gave you the energy to be that? Who gave you the intelligence to do that job? Who gave the opportunity for you to be hired at that job? What is it you've done that God didn't allow you to do? And God is saying to the children of Israel, you're not going to own the land forever. No, it's not going to happen. You're going to own it for 50 years. It's going to be based on the number of harvests. And when, after that's 50 years, at the year of Jubilee, you're going to give it back to the original owner. Let me tell you something. That changes the way we think a little bit, doesn't it? We're going to Jubilee next week. And you know what? Some of you are already thinking I've got a conflict. I can't be here on Jubilee because I've got a ball game to go to. I've got tickets. I can't be here at Jubilee because I might have a job. Let me tell you something. Rearrange your schedule. Ask somebody to cover for you. Take a vacation day. You say, wait a minute, David, what are you asking us to do? I'm asking you to do the next step of what, we, what Jubilee does. Because what happens is he, first of all, repeals debts. Then he releases slaves. Then he returns land. But then he resets priorities. Yeah, because see, here's what happens. When you realize he's paid your debt, when you realize that what you had God's given you, and what he what he's giving you you don't own it's all him, man. You just reset your whole attitude right there. You're finally getting it right. And God says, I want you to reset now. I want you to turn to Deuteronomy if you would please. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter uh, thirty-one verses ten through thirteen. Deuteronomy thirty-one ten through thirteen. And Moses commanded them, saying, At the end of seven years, in the solemnity of the year of release. Now there we go. We know which year we're talking about now. He's saying you've got seven years, that means seven times seven, that's 49 years. Then the year of release, that's the Jubilee year. And he goes on, he said, in the Feast of the Tabernacles, when all Israel has come to appear before the Lord thy God in the place without shoes, thou shalt read this law before all Israel in their hearing. God is saying in the year of Jubilee, you're not going to work. But guess what? You're not going to play video games either. You're not going to work, but you're not going to vacation down the lake all day either. You're not going to work, but you're not going to just do what you want to do. What you're going to do, you're going to read God's law and you're going to focus on him. See, it doesn't do us any good to have Jubilee services if these pews are empty. It doesn't do us any good if Hillcrest Baptist Church doesn't say we're going to commit to being here because it's a year of Jubilee. It's a time that we need to focus on God. It's a time when we understand the importance. And I, I want to move on because i got to move to the New Testament. See, if I stay in the Old Testament, some of you say, David, that's Old Testament. And I say, yes, it is. It's still God's Word. Turn to Luke chapter 4. I don't have a lot of time, but I'm going to get there. Jesus is already popular in Capernaum at this time. He's in Nazareth, his hometown. Luke places his early, places this early in his ministry and gives the content of a sermon that Matthew and Mark only refer to. And in the content of this sermon, he's proclaiming the priority of this message that he preaches. And he came, verse 16 of chapter 4, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. As his custom was, he had a habit of going to church. Amen? Amen. I said he had a habit of going to church. Amen. Not a bad habit. Wouldn't you agree? Now you're here today, I'm preaching to the choir, but let me tell you something. What about Sunday Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, next week? Are you going to make a habit of being here? I hope you will. And 17, and there was delivered unto him the book of Isaiah, which is Isaiah. When he opened the book, he found the place where it was written. I want you to notice the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, those in debt, healed the brokenhearted, those who lost or were in slavery, to preach deliverance to captives, those who are slaves, recovering the sight of the blind, to set at liberty, them that are bruised, to preach acceptable year of the Lord, the acceptable the year of the Lord. This is the only reference to the Jubilee year in the New Testament. But I want, and he's quoting Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. I won't take the time to look there, but I want you to see that he's quoting it. And the Jews use this reference in Isaiah. Uh, did I say Psalm? I'm in Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. And, and uh, the Jews reference this to release from Babylonian exile, which was a wonderful thing, certainly. But I want you to look, we looked, read down to verse 19. Look at verse 20 of chapter 4. He read the verse, quoted the verse in church. He closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down. (laughs) Have you ever seen the mic drop? You ever seen a mic drop? That's what Jesus did. He, He read Isaiah 61, 1 and 2 about the year of Jubilee and his purpose for coming was to do exactly what was done during the year of Jubilee that they knew about And he goes down. Now listen to me, it said it. Jesus sat down and closed the book. But here's what he said. And he began to say to them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Let me tell you every Sunday is a Jubilee Sunday. Did you know every day is a Jubilee year? Why? Because Jesus said, I fulfilled the Jubilee. You don't have to wait 50 years for release. You don't have to wait 50 years to claim your inheritance. You don't have to wait 50 years for salvation. Right now, right here, I'm the Jubilee. I fulfilled it. He drops the mic and it's over. Now it's on us. Jesus has proclaimed it. He's given us the Old Testament example. He said, I have come to proclaim liberty. You may be here today and you're a slave in your own world, by your own making, in your own prison, you're a slave. Jesus came to set you free and to liberate you from that bondage. You may be downtrodden today. And Jesus says, I want to lift you today. I've fulfilled it. It's done. This day, it's over. Jesus says, every day is a day of jubilee. Every day is a day of freedom. Every day, liberty can be proclaimed in your life and mine. I'm so glad I serve the God of liberty. And listen to me, it's important that you understand that this morning. Thirdly, you may have a debt today that you can't pay. Oh, let Jesus pay that debt. Because quite frankly, you can't pay it. Your righteousness, the Bible says, are as filthy rags before him. And he only, only him. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And I want you to know, you may have forfeited your inheritance of victory in Christ today. See, here's what I think happens. I think sometimes we just forget that we have a place that God wants us to live as Christians. Did you know God wants you to live in victory as a Christian? Did you know God wants you as a Christian not to be defeated by sin? Did you know Satan wants to beat you over the head with your sin and he wants to tell you that you're no good, that you're, that you're, not, you're not the person you should be and maybe you deserve some of that because of the way you're living. But let me tell you something, this altar here for this morning is for believers who are living in defeat. And have given up their inheritance that God has planned for them. That inheritance of victory and joy and Christian walking with him. This altar is also for those who are in bondage and lost and have a sin they can't pay. Let me tell you something, that's what this altar is for. And I am going to tell you, for those of us who have friends and family in those categories, we need to be praying for them. Amen.